Hello and welcome to The Dog Father, an average podcast about a below average football club. And for the first time in my life, Laura, I left the, the game of the Essendon Football Club for the weekend and we'd won, but it certainly felt like a loss for me. How did you see the game? It was very disappointing, that's for sure. Definitely a very disappointing game. Given, you know, we have so much on the line and we really, we just seem to have really lost the plot the last few weeks. That bye in the middle of the season, it's been a a different team to come out post-bye to what we mm. saw pre-buy. Um, everything for sort of what was around 13 was our uh, third game after the buy. We have looked a shadow of our former team. Um, mm. And it's just more of the same old Essendon that we've been used to for the last 20 years reappearing, that inconsistency of effort, that what team's going to turn up today are they going to perform? Are they going to stick to team structure? Are they going to do the right things to be a consistent four-quarter football team? And the answer at the moment is no. It's absolutely not. They're, the only consistency is that we have a period of the game against any quality of opposition where we allow them to kick runs of goals. And Mm -hmm. look, we're still in the hunt for finals mathematically, but do you even want to get there? I don't. I do not want to make finals. No way. No way, no chance do I want this team to make finals so that we can be completely destroyed round one of the finals and continue to play in that narrative of Essendon hasn't won a final for however many years because there's no chance they're going to win a final. Well, it doesn't take spot and play the Bulldogs in Melbourne. No mm, chance. Mm. And and that's the thing is that it. I I was hoping for this year with the first half of the season that we would actually approach the finals from a position of relative strength. So from a position of not limping in, finishing fifth or sixth, getting a home final. And and actually having some form and, and playing some good football. But it just, if we make the finals now, we're going to limp into seventh or eighth. We're going to just scraped in. We're going to be rushing players back from, you know, who have been off. And we're just going to get pumped in the first round. Yeah. Uh, because that the performance that we had on Saturday afternoon, make no mistake, was absolutely despicable so if we look at the team stats right we won most of the categories right so we won total disposals uh we just edged them inside 50s the big ones were clearances and hitouts. Clearances we won by ten. Hitouts we won by like four thirty-nine. Um, and contested possessions we smashed them by thirty-five. 
right? But somehow we managed to kick less goals from them than them. Um, what was our inside 50 stats? So 55, 51. We managed to kick less goals from them and sneak home with a one-point win. Mm. It's just not good enough. It is just not good enough for a team. Because often we'll say, oh, look, let's put this loss into perspective. You know, Port Adelaide were on top of the ladder. We were in front when the siren went. It was a good effort, blah, blah, blah. We blah, played blah. the bottom team and we, won by one point. That's what right. What perspective would you like That's on right. That? So if we put the wins into the losses into perspective, we have to put the wins into perspective as well. And this is a bottom team whose average losing margin is 11 goals. And we played them at our home ground. And last time we played them at their home ground, we won by close to 10 goals. And we barely, barely scraped a one-point win. Mm. Mm. It, it's it's woeful. It is just not good enough. And the big thing for me, the thing that was really, really apparent, is that we make terrible decisions going forward and our efficiency trying to find the forwards, the leading forwards, hit a target inside forward is terrible. It is terrible. So many times on Saturday, there were there was a good option that a player would see, and then they'd just turn and they'd bomb it inside 50. Like, Parrish three or four times could have hit, you know, uh, Peter Wright, you know, 30, 45 metres out on a 45-degree angle. Instead, he goes to the top of the square, and the Eagles bring it out. And it was just player after player just not entering 50 efficiently, kicking it to a West Coast player, not making good decisions. And this is against a team that is one of the worst pressure teams in the league, or is the worst pressure team in the league, what's going to happen when someone brings a modicum of pressure, right? Mm. Exactly what happened against Geelong. The whole I was just about to say that. We'll just fall that. apart. Mm. Yeah. Did you, um, by any chance, listen to Brad Scott's press conference? I did. Can you please, I didn't listen to it, but I'm really keen to know what he said. He, he was very defensive. Right. Of course he, he was. He was talking about, hey, we still won the game. No game. There's no easy games for us. Yes, I'm glad they got a lesson. And luckily we got away with it, which is true, right? It, they got a really big fright and still managed to get the win. Mind you, a loss would have ended our season. Uh, so they, they just, they got a lesson. Uh, and if they think that... Um, that you can just turn up and, and the game's going to be won. It's very clear that that's not the case. But, you know, in previous in previous weeks, he's talked about um, it doesn't matter the personnel, et cetera, et cetera. And this week he's talking about, yeah, we're missing a few experience, experienced players. Uh, where We were probably younger than West Coast this week, et cetera. So there's just a little bit of inconsistency in the messaging that, like, mm. you know, when we lose, it's okay to say this and then, he changes his tune when we win. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I appreciate what he said in terms of, yep, we're not there yet. Yep, it's, you know, it's, it's going to happen that we're, there's no easy games for us, et cetera, et cetera. But he also didn't have really any answers as to why. He didn't really respond and say, like, oh, yeah, you know, this is why the performance was so bad. Um, 
he did mention that that we were, you know, we created the game style and we put ourselves into a position to win the game and ultimately we deserve to win the game. But geez, we made it really hard for ourselves, didn't we? Mm. I mean, in a in a game where we thought we were going to turn up and we were going to see goal after goal after goal and a really comfortable win and a really great Saturday. Yeah. That's not what we got. No, not at all. Not at all. So let's jump into our likes and dislikes. Uh, spoiler alert, there's going to be a couple of likes and a whole heap of dislikes. My first uh, like, my one of two, was hey, really... Your two are probably the same as mine. Really good game from Nick Hyde. Yeah, that was what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, his best game for the club. And uh, since he... And maybe we get influenced by the people that sit around us. I think we sit near his family, right? When we go to the we pool. sit in front of his family. We do. Yeah, and so I just love everything that he does. And, um, and admittedly, he had a great game, 31 disposals. Uh, and since he's come back into the team... He has really decided that he doesn't want to lose his spot. And he he's added an extra dynamic. His dash off half back has been really, really good. And um, for me, his best game for the club, probably his best AFL game ever. Mm. Yeah. He had a really good day. Um, they even, yeah, they posted, uh, they probably didn't have many highlights. So the Essendon Footy Club did, yeah, post up about he had really good disposal efficiency, efficiency as well, Janice, and you said 31 possessions. So, mm, mm. yeah, yeah, awesome game by Nick Hind. Mm. Um, he kind of popped up when we needed him to, when we needed someone to do anything, mm. he kind of popped up for us. Yeah. Yeah. Like number – anything else about Nick Hind? No, I just thought, you know, he deserves his spot. He's he's playing well. He's – He's doing. He's playing a role that we really, really need. We needed that quick ball movement and that speed off half back, and he's doing it really well. Yeah, yeah. Like number two it was probably only one other like. I like that. Uh, I well, I um. We'll, we'll save that one for a little while. So probably three okay. likes. I really like that Sardis made his debut. Um, he looked okay. You know, I don't think anyone in that team. Really, apart from Hind and, and one who we'll get to, had a particularly ripper game. But you know, he'll he should stay in the team and he'll get better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, do we know? Speaking of, well, not really. Someone coming into the team, but Caldwell. What injury did he do? Yeah, they haven't mentioned anything. There was nothing in the match report. So. Um, I think it was just a case of um, he'd played a lot of minutes and when we subbed him, we were up by like five goals. So mm. I think they thought, oh, we'll just um, we'll just put him on ice. So may- maybe he got... Um, corky or yeah, something. Yeah, maybe got a corky, something minor, knocked to his ankle and they thought he's, he's played a lot of game time. We've got we've brought Sardis into the team. He's been playing off half, half forward. Let's chuck Sardis in the middle. Um, and bring Davey on. That, that's my yeah. thoughts. I think it's quite something quite minor. Yeah, that, right. Because there's been nothing in the report, nothing in the newspapers today, nothing like that. So I think it's probably, you know, an ankle strain or something like that. Yeah. Well, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. So we don't have to put that in our dislikes then? No, no, no I don't think so. Well, I guess Ooh. we'll find out on Tuesday. Find out on Tuesday that he's actually dead. And yes. that he'll, he'll never play again. Yes, probably. Uh, but, um, yeah, so as far as I'm... As far as I can tell, it's nothing major. Yeah, yeah, radio. Well, that's good. All right, well, let me give you my like because I've mm. only got one. 
Carl Langford, five mm. goals. He yeah. he just seems to pop up right when you need a hero. Mm. You know. Also, yeah. if you don't play if you don't play that as the song for this episode, I'm I'm resigning. What I need a hero. Yes. Uh, we don't have break music anymore because we don't have long breaks anymore. Well, find a way to make it happen. Otherwise, yeah. I'm going to resign from this podcast. Yeah, fair, fair. Um, yeah, look, he's just such a reliable kick, isn't he? he yeah. He's such a smart forward. He, he's a really good user of the football. He uh, places the ball really, really strong well. marks. He's, he's really strong with his body. Yeah, he's just a really, really smart forward, and I don't know why we've been so reluctant to play him forward until Brad Scott got there. Mm. Because it's clear, I know they tried to turn him into a midfielder, et cetera, et cetera, but it's just clear that the forward line is his absolute best position. Um, yeah. His body work, his movement, his vision, his ability to create a goal assist, he, yeah. I, so I was actually thinking about this during the game when he kind of lit up that second quarter and, and kicked four goals. Mm. I reckon the mix for us going forward is one key forward, Kyle Langford is the second hybrid tall, and two ruckmen. I don't think mm. we need a second tall key forward. So, well, certainly not one that's on our list already because... Peter Wright is, and we'll get to this later, is, is a shadow of his last year. He, he reminds me very much of the player we first got into the club. Um, and Wiedemann showed for a long stretch that he, he's he got a lot of work to do to, to be a target man key forward. So as far as I'm concerned, two rucks, uh, one key forward, and Kyle Langford as the other sort of full forward, so you sort of talk about the really big key as the centre forward, play Kyle Langford out of the square. When Stringer is fit and firing, then I think you play those three as sort of the the key roles with the resting Ruckman, because both Langford and Stringer are quite mobile when the ball hits the ground, so you're not mm-hmm. losing anything by playing those two as, as sort of a three-pronged attack with the resting Ruckman. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I think... Yeah, he brings something to the forward line that is severely lacking currently, mm. severely lacking. And um, what were they playing him as, a midfielder? Big body yeah, midfielder. They, mid. yeah, they tried to turn him into a midfielder. He got drafted mm. as forward, but they tried to play him as a midfielder. Why do they try um, and play everybody as midfielders? I actually don't understand. Because we just don't draft midfielders. Well, we have in the yeah. last few years, but to be honest, we haven't used our um, – Early picks on really good quality. It must be um, it must be a draft strategy from Dodoro, right? Because mm. for as long as I can remember, we've used our really early picks on key position players, and mm. then tried to get midfielders in the second and, and later rounds. Um, so what happens is you kind of you end up trying to play your halfbacks in the midfield, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, mm. It's only in, in recent years with Hobbs uh, and. Sardis and uh, Archie Perkins, although he wasn't a pure midfielder when we drafted him, that we've used mm. early picks on on midfielders. And hey, look at what Hobbs is doing. Look, look at what Sardis has been doing in the VFL uh, and what he is going to be doing in the AFL. When you use your early picks on midfielders, you get good midfielders. Mm. Mm. 
Speaking I mean, of Hobbs, actually, he, mm. he had a good, reasonably good game. I'm going to chuck him in there yeah, as a lot. Yeah, look, if you take the score out of the game, if you actually just watch the game and, and which team was on top and which team was in control, for three and a half quarters of that game, Essendon were completely in control. The problem was our efficiency going into the forward line and our efficiency in the forward line, and then our inability to stop them drawing, getting the ball out of our forward line. So as far as I'm concerned for this game, and this is this is a big dislike for me, was that forward six, that forward six, if you take out Langford and you take out Archie Perkins, Menzi bobbed up occasionally, but that whole forward, it's not working. There's... Mm. Apart from Langford, who can we say consistently is performing every week in that forward line? Oh, no you know, one. Perkins has been pushing into the midfield, so I, I take him out of that group. Menzi is, you know, as a basically a first-year player. I know last year was his first year, but basically as a first-year player. I don't know that you can expect consistency from him, but who else in that forward line has stood up and said, no, I'm going to play my role and I'm going to do my job? Guelphie has not been really good. We're losing tackling pressure. And Peter Rye is, as we were saying before, he that shoulder injury has really set his mindset back to what it was when he first came to the club. He's not hitting packs. He's not attacking the ball hard. And he's missing kicks that he normally would kick. He yeah. missed a really gettable shot uh, in the first or second quarter. It was about 20 metres out directly in front. Um was when they were going the opposite end to us. So I think that was the second quarter. No, that was another one that he missed. Uh, it must oh. have been third. But he anyway, uh, he missed a really gettable one early in the game. Guelphie missed one from basically the square. Phillips misses one from basically the square. I mean, Sardis was on the He was more. literally, Phillips was literally right in front. And I said to you, he's going to miss this. Yeah, yeah. We had so many misses. And more, more importantly than that, was the tackles. We could not hold the ball inside forward 50. As soon as it hit the ground, it just went straight out. And that's that's going to hurt us long term. That's going to hurt us for the rest of this year. And if we don't fix it over pre-season, it's going to continue to hurt us long term as a football club. Well, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because last year, all we harped on about the whole year was how terrible our back line was and how terrible defence was. Mm. And now it's the forwards. Mm. Yeah, they're just – the mix isn't right. And we haven't been able to get a consistent mix, right, mm. because players have been when, – when we had Wiedemann in, uh, Peter Wright was injured. When Peter Wright came back in, Wiedemann was terribly out of form. Mm. Tipper wasn't fit enough. Uh, Menzi and Elwin Davey are new, so they're not really – we can't expect too much of them. Guelphie was injured for a long stint and came back in. So we haven't, I understand that we haven't been able to generate that chemistry and get that that flow um, yeah. happening, but it's got to change. This, yeah. yeah, it will really hurt the football club. And as far as I'm concerned, I think Tex Wanganin has been doing enough in the twos to warrant selection. And I think. Tipper has been doing enough in the twos to warrant selection for two reasons. Tipper is very clean with the football and he's a really good deliverer inside 50. So even if he is only getting 10 or 11 touches, 
if he's getting two or three goal assists, that's way better than we're getting at the moment. And Langanin's been kicking goals. He's got footy smarts. He's quick. He tackles well. So I'd, I would happily drop uh, a Guelphie and or, you know, or maybe a Davey, even though he's just come back in for a Langanin, for sure. Um, but see, I think the problem is, though, on that point, is our issue is less so our small forwards and more so our tall forwards. So mm. Wiedemann, Peter Wright. So I understand your point about um, Tipper and Wanganing, but again, they're small forwards and that's not our big, big issue. Like, Welfie had a bad game. Well, you know, but he's actually had a pretty good, since he came back into the, into the team, he's actually been pretty solid. Oh, I disagree. I think he's. I think he's been really poor. Mm, I think interesting. I think his tackling pressure hasn't been good. He hasn't been hitting the score um, scoreboard. He had seven disposals right, and <clears throat> two tackles. His job is literally pressure, and he's had two tackles. Yeah, right. So against, again, in context, the clear work, probably the worst team we've seen since West Coast, since Gold Coast and GWS entered. Right. Yeah. Like, that we need more. We need more from him for yeah. for no goals and really missing a sit up. So not good enough. Um, yeah. Menzi also was quiet. All our small forwards were quiet, and it, it's clear. It's clear when you're watching the game. And Peter Wright just a shadow of his former self. Just not taking marks he should be taking, and more importantly, not imposing himself on the contest. It's. Mm. People talk about, yeah, you've just got to do your role, et cetera, et cetera. But he's not doing his role. If you're a key forward in an AFL team, part of your role is, frankly, some positions are more important than others, right? So if mm. you're playing the key forward, centre half forward, full forward, you're, there's more expected of you than just doing your role. You're not playing back pocket. You're not playing your wing. You've got to be sort of that beacon and that focal point for the whole team. But also and your role is to take strong marks and kick goals. Mm. So even if you want to say you just got to play your role, that is your role mm. and that's not what he's doing. He's not where last season any time the ball would go into the forward line, you'd be pretty confident that he was going to take a solid mark, but that's mm. just not happening. Yeah, and he's getting pushed off the ball really easily. He's running under the ball. Uh He's getting falconed with the ball. So it's just, yeah. So you can say play your role, but he's actually not playing his role. Mm, yeah, I would agree. And the big concern for me is just dumb decisions going forward as well from really experienced players, like dinky handballs when there's a clear kick or kicking to the wrong option or, you know, and it was just endemic. All afternoon, so frustrating that we bring the ball forward and have an opportunity to really pile on some goals and make the game sort of out of reach, and we just did not do it. And it was mm. all our own fault. Yeah. And, yeah. And, um, West Coast were more efficient. They they took their chances. What did they have? They had 17 scoring shots and we had 23. And they kicked 11 goals from 17, right? It was just, yeah, just... Not not good enough. Mm. It just wasn't the game that we were expecting. Mm. But, and I think more disappointing than that is, 
you know, a few weeks ago we were getting really excited about the prospect of playing finals. I think it was just mm. a really big reality check for us as supporters, but also for the team. Mm. And I think that's the thing. And the thing is that it, not only did we need a win, not only did we expect a win, because essentially West Coast this year, apart from a couple of times, has been the bye, we needed a really big win. And we didn't even get a solid win. We didn't yeah. even get a 30-point We win. almost lost the game. We almost lost to the worst team in the competition by a mile. So that's that's where the disappointment comes from. It, it was just such a poor performance. Is this potentially the wake-up call that then gets us going and um, switches us back on? We've been saying that for weeks and weeks and weeks, and I, I genuinely don't think it is. I don't think so. I don't think so. so. I think um, – no, I don't think so. So not at all. There, so at the so we kick a goal really early in the third, right? Mm. And then there's basically no score until the thirteen minute mark. And then from that point onwards, thirteen minute mark of the third quarter, West Coast kick seven goals. And we kick two. And in that run of play, Nick, Nick Cox misses. I think that was a snap, and I think it hit post. Uh, Nick Cox misses. Guelphie misses a really easy one. Phillips misses a really easy one. Um, Sardis misses one that you probably should kick, but it's his first game, so that. Um, and then Langford kicks the late one to win us mm. the game. Um, so really, if any of those, well, really, if both of Guelphies and, and Phillips goes through, I think that ends up being a relatively comfortable win. Mm. But it goes to show that if you don't Take your chance. You don't create good chances, and then when you do create good chances, you don't take your chances. You can mm. get beaten by anyone. Yeah, absolutely. It, I just felt all weekend watching that game, or all Saturday watching that game. It's like the that first quarter was the worst first quarter of football I've watched all year, and and in mm. a very 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 long time. And I actually got messages from friends saying, "What are we watching? What is this from?" And mm. I knew, I knew at quarter time, I was like, oh, man, we are in for a very ugly, long, long day. Yeah. Yeah. So have you hit me with any more dislikes? Um, no, I think I've covered all of mine. Mm. What, what do you think of Nick Bryan's game? I just wanted to chat, touch on him for a little while. I don't really have an opinion. I didn't feel he was quite as dominant as he had been the last couple of weeks. Mm. He sort of popped up in the last quarter and I kind of thought, oh, I haven't really seen much of him. Yeah, he got he's only had eight touches from um from fifty-two percent time on ground, uh, but nineteen hit outs, right? So mm. I 
I really like him, and I think I think I'm happy to persist with him and Draper next year over Draper and Phillips. Mm. I think he's just a bit cleaner with the ball and a bit of a better decision maker. Uh, he's a bit more agile, certainly quicker. So if we can get him around the ball a little bit more, get his numbers up as they are in the PFL, I genuinely genuinely think we've got a, a good player there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I would. I think Nick Bryan is a much better option going forward than Andrew Phillips, and I would persist in giving him some time to develop. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um. How have you seen Jaden Laverde? He's a pretty poor couple of weeks. And I don't know that I saw enough on the weekend to think that he's returned to form. Um, I wonder how much of that is to do with Ridley not playing. Mm. You know, I wonder how much they bounce off each other and I wonder how much having a good decision maker like Ridley mm. really helps Laverde shine. Mm. Yeah, no, there's there's no doubt that Ridley structurally is super, super important for our team in the way that he directs where the ball goes. He's really efficient disposal. Um, he's, yeah, he's really efficient disposals. He's clean marking. His decision-making makes everyone else better. But even mm. with Ridley in the team, I thought Liberty had had a poor couple of weeks. Mm, I didn't – I don't – really remember thinking that mm. but i watch footy a little differently mm. to you i think mm. Mm. yeah so I'm, i just can't help but think that is it time that baldwin comes in i don't think they're dropping cox i think they're just going to persist with him and developing and i think baldwin's due again so you know that i would drop laverde for baldwin though i don't think he's drop worthy mm. Mm. do you know do you know who is drop worthy, um, actually? And that's Jake Kelly. And not because he's necessarily playing poorly. I think he's actually doing exactly what we expect from Jake Kelly. But if you're playing Jake Kelly on the wing and in the forward line, then you've got to drop him. Mm-hmm. Jake Kelly is a out-and-out lockdown defender. So mm-hmm. if you're not playing him in that role, then you've got to bring in another midfielder to play on the wing or another forward to play at half forward or someone else into the team. You mm. cannot afford to be playing Jake Kelly out of position when you have a Wanganin in the twos, when you have a Tipper in the twos, when you've got other players that could do his role more effectively. And this is not a knock on Jake Kelly. If we need a lockdown defender, I want to play Jake Kelly. But if mm. you're playing him on the wing, put a wingman in. Yeah, why do you think they're not playing him as a defender? I have no idea. Well, they're not playing him as a defender because they want to get game time into Cox. But right. if if you want to get game time into Cox, then someone's got to go out. And if Jake Kelly's not playing in his position, take him out of the team. Yeah, fair. It's, um, yeah, it, it, it baffles me. It baffles me. And this has been a knock on Brad Scott at his time at North Melbourne is that he plays favourites and he's got his his core of, of older players that just will not get dropped. And mm. I get 
I get the impression that uh, that Jake Kelly is one of those. And look, I I really like Jake Kelly as a player. I really like what I've heard from him in interviews, and I really like it when he is doing his job, which is lockdown defending. I mm. do not want him taking someone's spot on the wing. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. That's mm. fair. So uh, would you actually persist with Nick Cox? Like, I feel like, I mean, I know it's only his second game back. Um, I don't know. I'm not loving it. Uh, he hasn't been the revelation that he thought. Uh, like that, that he th- was in his first year. That well, first season he was like, you know. And it's probably that we're expecting a little bit too much from him yet, like mm. at this stage, right? He's, he's not ready for that yet. Um, you know what I think? It, I don't even think it's that. I think that at this point we as supporters are probably not willing to persist with people that appear to be, I won't say underperforming, that's not the right word, but that don't appear to be at the super elite standard that we're wanting given that we kind of wanted this year to kind of be the time when our luck changed. I think that's Mm. what it is. Mm. Mm. It's... I think you've got to get games into him, and I'm, I prefer that he's playing in defence. Mm. But I expected with Ridley going down that he would take over Ridley's role because that's what he naturally did as a junior, is he played that third man intercepting defender. And he's just not... He's not been Jordan Ridley, which is an, an incredibly high bar and, and really unreasonable to have um, for this player. but. That's what I was expecting. I was expecting now that Ridley's out and he's been given one of those key position posts, I expected him to be the one floating across and taking the pack marks and really showing that he belongs. Um, mm-hmm. And he's just not showing that. And who knows what his role is? He might be playing half back flank. He might be playing, he might be told, you know, no, you have to lock down. And I'm, I'm, genuinely don't really i don't follow the matchups that quite closely so i wasn't sure who his opponent was and whether they managed to get off the chain or whether he defended them really well he might have been doing that but for me mm-hmm. watching the game i'm not seeing him essentially replace ridley to an extent and then for me that's that's been disappointing if that makes mm-hmm. sense yeah yeah yeah. Like, I don't I don't expect him to be Jordan Ridley and do what Jordan Ridley does because he's very good at it. But I expect to see signs that he could one day become Jordan Ridley. And I'm not seeing those signs is, is basically yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe with a, a little – I mean, he has missed quite a lot of time this season. Mm. So, you know, maybe with a little bit more game time in him, mm. he may well, you know. Yeah, and look, I, I think he's certainly athletic enough and tall enough and talented enough that he, he could really make anything that he wants to of his career. But it's, yeah, let's let's wait a few more games before we mm. judge him. But are we willing to, I guess the point is, are we willing to play him in the ones, him take someone's spot and, and play that role uh, and develop over someone like a bald one who... I think absolutely has been deserving of a game for 15 weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Like if I was going to, I think Baldwin, that one game that he came in, Mm. showed up. I do think 
Yeah, I do think that he deserves a, another go, particularly yeah. with Ridley out. Yeah. For me, if we're looking at this season as trying to get into finals and then trying to win a final, I I, I think Baldwin's got to come in for Cox or Laverty at this stage. I, I would bring him in for Cox. I, I think that Laverty has enough runs on the board mm. um, that he wouldn't be the one that I would drop. And I, I feel like from what we saw from that one game with, with Baldwin versus what we've seen from two games with Cox, I would mm. choose Baldwin over Cox any day at this mm. stage. Mm, at this stage. And look, if Cox can stay fit for an off-season, do a full pre-season, really get put into a position that he gets to make his own, you know, and can attack a season from there, great. Um, but, yeah, it's an interesting one. Whether we persist with trying to develop him in the ones or whether we put him back in the twos and, and bring someone in who's, frankly, been was playing better in the twos before the Cox got brought in and is still performing at the same high standard in the twos. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So Archie Perkins looked good um, mm. in, again, in patches. He's only ended up with 16 touches, but he just did a few nice things, took a few good marks, um, kicked a nice goal. That And he, they're kind of giving him a little bit more high half forward time, mm-hmm. which, which is fine. Uh, I think he's just chugging on quite nicely, becoming a decent little player. Mm. I thought Durham was was really good, and um, and his counterpart on the other wing had a sort of quiet game. Nick Martin, um, mm. and again, I didn't see anything from Nick Martin actually. Yeah, just very quiet. Just a couple of clangers I really noticed, but that's sort of because he's he's normally very very clean with the ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really, apart from the usual suspects in in merit. And um, and Parish, I don't think anyone really got around the ball apart from Hind that much, and and certainly mm. were well below what we would expect um, from mm. their disposal efficiency and, and decision making. Interestingly, speaking mm. of Merritt and mm. Parish, I'm just having a little look, mm. and um, Essendon Football Club just posted a thing on their Facebook page, right? And all they said in the caption, clinical. And it's a picture of Darcy Parrish with 33 disposals, 13 SI, that's score involvements, I'm assuming, nine clearances. I remember saying to you during the game that he's not doing amazing things. And there's only one comment on that post, interestingly, and it says 10 plus turnovers. Is that what it says? Yeah, someone, someone, a fan commented and they wrote 10 plus turnovers. Um, someone else said, trade him. And someone else said, more worried about fighting than hitting targets yesterday. Um, so it's interesting that they're happy with those stats because, yeah, he does pick the ball up a lot, but oftentimes, I don't know, I just don't see a lot of, Efficiency is not the word. That's exactly the word. Yeah. He is that what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I, not, but not even that. It's like he doesn't do much with it. 
Like you mm. might get it, but it, yeah, there's a turnover or it doesn't, yeah. Look, I think I like Darcy Parrish. Like I don't have an issue with him, but I just sometimes I wonder about the hype around him because. Yeah, he picks it up a lot, but I don't always feel like a lot happens once he's had the ball. Well, he's had 13 score involvements, right? Probably 12 of those were behinds. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but disposal efficiency is has always been his knock, particularly his kicking efficiency, and it certainly hasn't been good the last few weeks. It's been really poor and noticeably poor. I'm I'm willing to wait and see with our midfield mix because mm. we've had a large chunk of the year where we've missed either Peel, Setterfield, Parrish, etc. 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 Right. Mm. And and I think with a fully fit midfield and what we've seen from Caldwell and Hobbs and their emergence, I'm and acknowledging that I think Parrish is, is okay, 33 touches, he's, he's relatively out of form in that. Mm. Um, mm. He's putting on a lot of pressure acts. He's working hard. I'm not saying he's not working hard at all. But his mm. disposal efficiency, particularly by foot, is really, really poor. And um, I, I'm, I'm willing in, in a development year to wait and see what happens when we've got a full complement of midfielders, when Parrish can be giving the ball off to a streaming pass, Dylan Shield, where he can mm. be giving the ball off to an Elijah Sardis, mm. rather than um, this kind of makeshift chop and change in midfield, you know? when Because mm-hmm. basically the, the first sort of 10 games, the only four midfielders that went into the centre square were Parrish, Setterfield, Merritt and Shield. And mm. so... And we saw what happened in those first sort of 10 weeks. We had some really incredible performances. And it's that consistency and that uh, connection that really makes a huge difference. Whereas at the moment, where it's not a makeshift midfield, like I've been happy with Caldwell and Hobbs, but Mm. they don't have that connection yet that obviously Shiel and Parrish and Merritt had developed over a number of years. So... It's yeah, it's a wait and see. I but completely acknowledge his kicking is is just not good enough, and mm. just ties into really what the theme of, of the last few weeks has been, and that's really poor forward efficiency. Whether that's delivery to the forward line, whether that's converting our shots, whether that's creating good shots, and that has been the difference in. You know, our seven of the last nine losses or five of the last seven or whatever rubbish, you know, mm. we've dished up mm. since the bye. It's been that. Apart from the two games when we absolutely got obliterated by Geelong and the Bulldogs, we haven't been efficient going forward. And that is a really, really big problem. And Darcy Parish is a microcosm of that for our fans to get angry at he becomes the mm. whipping boy rather mm. than looking at the game holistically and realizing that this is a this is a problem for the whole team mm. um and he's one component of that but he's not the only one mm-hmm. yeah what do you think about zach merritt yesterday i know nothing about his stats but i just he laid some pretty good tackles 
Um, I, sometimes I get very frustrated because it's like, why is Zach Merritt doing everything? Why can't you did say else... that to me yesterday? Like, there there was a passage of play where he won the clearance, handballed it out, someone else turned it over, and then he had to chase them down and tackle them and get the ball back. And I'm like, why does this guy have to be the one doing everything? Why can't why can't he have a friend? Why can't he have two friends that then put on this manic pressure that do this tackling that win the clearance that deliver the ball well? Like it, it really frustrates me sometimes when mm. you've got this guy that just busts his balls and it seems like sometimes that no one else is coming with him. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the answer to the question. Mm, mm. But I am glad that he's our captain. Yeah, I've never I... been the biggest Zach Merritt fan, but this year with him as captain, I'm a fan. Yeah, I, I feel like more so. I've always liked. I've always acknowledged that Zach Merritt is, has been our best player for a very long time, but mm. he has just gone to another level with his leadership this year, and I know mm. I'm here for it. I really, I really enjoy watching it, and mm. and hey, okay, I want Essendon to win a premiership. Because I'm an Essendon fan, I want them to win a premiership. But I just think that after hearing some interviews with him and, and you know some interaction that I've had with him, he just deserves it. He just yeah. he more so than anyone else on that list just deserves it. And I'll be very disappointed if he never gets there. Mm. I, yeah, I, kind of, I felt the same way about Hooker. He he just deserves some success that he never got. Hurley deserves some success that they never got. But Merritt, yeah, he just really, really deserves it. Um, mm. And sort of interesting to see how the rest of his his career plays out. And look, the whole team's in really bad form. We've we've had some real inconsistency in the lineup due to injuries. You know, you can name more than a handful. Of players that are missing that really would walk into our first team. We've got Draper. Setterfield obviously is coming, hopefully coming back next week. But we've got Draper. Setterfield's been missing for long stints. Shields out. Stringers out. Um, and that's just the ones that I can think of for top Ridley's of Ridley, out. Ridley's out, you know. Um, we lost Peter Wright for large chunks. Middle East come back and he's been in poor form. So even even in a development year, we haven't really had the opportunity to get our best 22 on the park and let them mm. develop together and build that connection. And mm. and I understand all football teams go through these phases of losing players and not being able to get their best team on the park. But it's yeah, it's been it's been frustrating in, mm. you know, to have lost close games when, you know, you add a Ridley into the team or a Peter Wright into the team or earlier in the year, et cetera, et cetera. Well we probably win those games. Um and to sort of now be after getting that taste of sitting fifth and being like, okay, this could be, you know, we've had some consistent performances. This could be a year when it finally turns and then to have this mm. back half of the year when it's felt like the same old Essendon um, mm. is, yeah, it's been mm. a disappointing second half, that's for sure. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. And look, maybe we just got carried away, you know? It's you, maybe we just got carried away. And this is what we should have been getting all year. I don't think so. I don't think so. 
Um, because all year and for the last 10 years, all we've asked for was consistency of effort mm. and consistency throughout games and consistency through um, um, between games, right? And, mm. and we did get that. We got that up until round 13. We did get consistency mm. of effort, and that has just disappeared since then. And so for me, that's not a coaching issue. That's not a personnel issue. That's a headspace issue that mm. we've reverted back into old habits, and it's it's going to take time, and it's going to take a lot of effort to change those habits. I mm -hmm. hope that Brad Scott is the man to change those habits. But it's very mm -hmm. clear that we have reverted back into old, ingrained things that, if we want to be a good football club, need to come out of our game. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I and, agree with you. And again, like I know you said maybe we got carried away with ourselves. Let me reiterate. West Coast's average losing margin was 11 goals. Yes. And yes. We were playing them at Marvel Stadium, so yes. I don't think you. No one's going to convince me to say, "Yeah, at least we won the game." No, if we're talking about if we can hand wave away our losses and say that was a good performance, you know, I think mm. we we have every right to hand wave away our wins and say that was a terrible performance, and we were very lucky to get away with the win. Yeah, yeah. So we've been chatting, what, nearly 45 minutes? A long minutes. time. Yeah. Let's have a quick look ahead uh, to the North. Let's have a break. Area. Let's get some music in for the fans. Let's have a break before no. we jump into the Kanga, 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 Roo, Roo, Roos. We're not having a break because it's more editing time for me, so we're jumping straight in. <laughs> Our listeners deserve your effort to edit the podcast. And I reiterate what Matthew said last week. You should be listening back. You should be listening back to find ways that we can make this podcast better for our listeners. Every single week I listen to this pod because I want to be better and I want to give the listeners what they deserve. And quite frankly, your attitude on last week's pod disgusts me. Lift your game. <laughs> so, <laughs> the kangaroos. Next Saturday afternoon. Uh, similar time. Put the music in. I need a funeral. I'm calling that for a funeral too, but I don't know the word. You made me think this is the level you brought me to. Okay, so before the break, we were discussing my poor effort and the poor effort of the Bombers. Uh, Saturday afternoon, 1.45, Marvel Stadium. We you two deserve each other, you and the Bombers. We have North Melbourne, who went very close to Melbourne for a long mm. stretch of the game. Mm -hmm. And in fact, we're in front for the entire first half. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How much do we lose by? Five goals. Yeah, I think. I reckon we're losing this game. Yeah, I think one, I of, two thing, one of two things happens. We get a really sharp wake-up call from Saturday. Did you watch us the week after we got completely pummeled by Geelong? 
there was no wake up call there. Yeah, we we either got a really sharp wake up call or they're going to get a they're going to get a four goal win because they nearly beat us last time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a mighty finish from Massimo that won us the game. But yeah, they'll be up for this. It'll be mm-hmm. Parks in the second game back. Uh, it'll be they'll look Against at this. the old coach. Yeah, they'll it's the see. Rivalry. It's the marshmallow game. This is this is their biggest rivalry. And if we mm-hmm. look ahead to uh, the next few games for them, they could make uh, the eight. Get <laughs> <No. laughs> your hand up, Daryl. Uh, they've got Richmond, and they have got Gold Coast. So this is the one. This is their grand final. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. This is their last win of the season, and they're yeah. coming out strong. Yeah, you mark my words. Game. So, uh, like I said previously, the only changes I would make. To our lineup, assuming Caldwell is fit. Uh, if Caldwell is not fit, then um, I think Sardis just plays full midfield time and Setterfield comes in actually. So I think Setterfield comes in regardless. For me, I would be dropping um, I would be dropping Jack Kelly for uh, for Setterfield. Um, mm-hmm. And then I would be bringing in um, Kane Baldwin. They're the two changes I would make. Oh, mm-hmm. and I'd probably be dropping a small forward for Angani. Actually, so three changes for me. So you're going to uh, drop Guelphie, I reckon. Uh, I don't really mind which one, but as long as one of them goes. Um, mm. I'm, I'm just a bit dark on Guelphie after he's missed. So, yeah, let's drop Guelphie. So Guelphie out for Angani. We'll drop Menzi before I dropped Guelphie. No, Guelphie out for Wanganin, Kelly out for Kane Baldwin, and Caldwell out for Will Setfield. They're my changes. So if if um if Caldwell is not injured, who are you dropping for Setfield? Um good call. Uh not hard. Parish. No, I'm definitely not. <laughs> Probably Nick Cox. Yeah, yeah, I reckon. Probably Nick Cox. I hope they don't drop Hind. Surely they can't off the back. No, of they definitely cannot. <laughs> the best game of his career, they cannot drop him. <laughs> Imagine um, they did. Imagine the outrage by his family that sit behind us. Mm, mm. I, I'm going to turn to them if he gets dropped, and I'm going to lose it. Do you know? Well, which we're not going to be there. Are? I don't look around. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, there's there, a I'm there's there. a guy with um with um like bleach blonde hair that looks pretty much exactly like Nick Hind. Oh, must be his brother. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, a, it's an away game for us, so we'll have the white shorts on, I'm sure. Um, any changes from you? Drop the whole team. Drop the whole team. Yeah, I'm not confident. Uh, Peter Wright. I'd get rid of Peter Wright for a week or two. We just don't have any other tools to come in, that's all. Langford. We don't need him. Weedering, maybe. Could, could Setterfield. Wiedemann. Yeah. Maybe give Wiedemann another go. Could Setterfield play forward or is he a midfielder? Setterfield is 100% midfielder. Take your rubbish away from him. Um, yeah, I reckon Peter Wright needs to go in the twos. Mm. Let's just go all small forwards. Didn't we just spend an hour discussing how our small forwards Yeah, true. But our tools are bad as well. Here's what we do. We clone Kyle Langford. 
I think that's the only solution. We play three of them. Let's bring Stringer back. No, nah, only if they're 100% fit. The, my well, he, do the, he should do the Robert Harvey um, plantar fascia thing of jumping off the table repeatedly until his plantar fascia ruptured so it was no longer painful. You're enough, no. How True story. You, how can True you, story. as a registered physio, suggest such a thing? A patient sent it to me as an article. <laughs> You're a fool. You're a fool. Um, I've lost the plot. You have lost the plot. So where can people find us, Laura? Um, hang on. We didn't finish our discussion about what are we doing with the forward line. Uh, we can't just cut, cut it off mid-sentence. The people deserve better than this rubbish. Wanganeen is coming in for Guelphie. It's what we're doing with the forward line. What about Peter Wright? Mate, in your fantasy land where Peter Wright gets dropped, <laughs> we can bring in Santa Claus. Well, he would do a bloody better job. <laughs> he might. He might. At this rate, he would do a better job. Bring in Rudolph and he'd do a better job. You can't, you can't bring in Rudolph. He doesn't even have hands. Yeah, he's just got a very shiny a nose. Job. Exactly. But yeah. that would distract the back, the defenders of the opposition team and our mm. small forwards could kick some goals. Mm, maybe, maybe. Um, I don't know, but I don't think we're winning this game. I actually think no, we're going to lose to the Kangaroos. Yeah, and then finally our season can be over and we can start booking our September holidays. Yep, yep. Where are we? Where are we going to watch the game? Uh, the old faithful, the Don Father's house. Alrighty. And maybe get some pizza from Bubba's Pizza. Bubba's, yep. Yeah, with our they, very, the they're actually they sponsoring very, us now. Very kindly gave us some credits to use. So Spend I think that's pizza. what we should do. So what we'll do yeah. is we'll order some Bubba's Pizza. We'll enjoy it, and then we'll give a review. There'll be a segment this uh this week, a review of Bubba's Pizza. I love it. I love it. Yeah. The only problem being a 145 game, so they may not be open. We might have to hold off the review until after the GWS game. Well, we could have pizza after the game in the evening. That's true. We could do. We could do. Mm. We well, could. where can people find us, Laura? On Instagram and Facebook at the Donfather Pod, on Apple, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to us now. Um, share some love. Tell us if you think that Nick needs to be better. We, I want to hear from the listeners about that. Mm, yes, please do. Please do. Um, thanks for joining me, Laura. Anytime. And until next time. Go Bombers. Go Bombers.